This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, the war in Ukraine, uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, is off our front pages because of other news. It is not out of our minds or indeed in many cases out of our hearts. But the fighting goes on in differing ways and one of the latest uh, news items we have is that Vladimir Putin has cancelled his end-of-year press conference, which for the last decade he has given to the Russian people, taken questions and generally told them how well everything was going. Another development concerns TV Rain, which was the closest to telling truth to the Russian people and was forced as a result to close down. Uh, it moved to Latvia, and indeed to Tbilisi and Amsterdam. But the Latvian government has revoked TV Rain's license because it is obviously Latvia must feel in danger to some extent. My next guest now is Dmitry Elovsky. He's chief editor for Kordakovsky.live. You can get it on YouTube. Before the war, Dmitry was deputy editor-in-chief for TV Rain in Moscow, but he left, went to Lithuania, and now he is, as I say, a chief editor for Kordakovsky.live. For those who don't know, Kordakovsky, of course, is one of the leading opponents of Vladimir Putin. He's a wealthy Russian and has served, I think, a 10-year jail sentence for speaking out. Uh, Dimitri, you're welcome to the stand. Thank you very much for joining us. Let me begin by asking you about TV Rain, and you were previously uh, an editor there uh, in TV Rain. You left Russia, you went to uh, Lithuania. The significance of the Latvians deciding to revoke the license, what is it? Yes, hello, and thank you very much for um, having me again. Um, this, is, this is a very painful and very important issue for all uh, the Russians who are um, against the war these days. Yes. Uh, Rain was extremely important and still is very, extremely, is very important in, in Russia uh, amongst those who are against the war, who uh, oppose Putin, who criticize uh, him and his regime. But uh, what has happened is that um, uh, a presenter, a news anchor, Alexei Karostelov, uh, he was uh, 
on air and uh, he said that he hopes that uh, his work and uh, as a journalist definitely yes. uh, helps uh, those uh, people uh, who are now fighting um, uh, Ukraine in this war uh, those who were drafted by Putin in uh, early this autumn yes. uh, and I think that um, this phrase uh, was very important for Ukrainians and for Latvians but um, the thing is that I'm sure that Alexei didn't want to help that people would kill Ukrainians. He just uh, said that, um, I think he was sorry that uh, his and my classmates or neighbors yes. are forced to go to the war. They are brainwashed and uh, they have to serve Putin under that uh, awful and terrible conditions. They don't have... Uh, 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 call this. They don't have, uh, I mean, food. They are just, uh, uh, they, they go down there on their own. And uh, this war is a crime. So basically, this is uh, the borderline. Uh, because it's very difficult for uh, Russians, even those who are against the war, uh, to wish death to their compatriots. Yes, of course. Um, and it's, um, it's, the, and on the other side, um, it's uh, pretty obvious that, uh, all the Ukrainians, they hate Russians these days. They understand that they are invaders, that they bring, uh, death to their homes, to their villages, to their towns. And that happens like every single day. Uh, and those Russians who are against the war, I mean, they still feel sorry. They still feel, and they still have some sympathy yes. um, to those who are brought there against their own will. And um, this is a very important issue uh, because Latvia is a neighbor of Russia and they might be aim number two or number three after Ukraine for, for Putin. And they are definitely afraid of this sort of um, talks and conversations. Of course. And the significance, if any, of Putin. It's reported in the Guardian newspaper in London today that Putin has cancelled his end-of-year press conference at which I understand he assures the nation that everything is going well. Is there much significance in the fact that now he's cancelled this press conference? I find it quite peculiar, uh, you know, because uh, uh, usually Putin's press conferences by the end of the year that was something uh, in the lifestyle of Fidel Castro, I guess. Yes. They used to last like for hours, three hours, four hours. And basically, it wasn't about speaking with the journalists. That was mainly about speaking to uh, some people in uh, Russian regions but uh, and trying to solve their problems. Yes. Because um, there are lots of people trying to get in touch with Putin to like um, to bring uh, water gas to their houses in their villages uh, yes. to raise their salaries. And I think that Putin is not interested in uh, discussing and solving these problems anymore uh, because he is somewhere else. He is doing his own path uh, in history. Yes. Um, he treats himself um, somewhere in between, I guess, Peter the Great, Russian Tsar, yes. and uh, Joseph Stalin. And yes. uh, such an historical figure, um, he wouldn't be eager to find himself in some way like, Russian village, talking to some Russian people, plain people, and trying to help them and trying to do something. Uh, he's more like a philosopher these days, more like a uh, historian. Uh, 
And uh, these, these are the questions that, uh, that bother him. Yes, it's interesting to reflect on what you've just said, because many people in the West who know Russia have said that the change in Putin is really about his aspiration for a greater Russia, uh, the expansion of Russia, and that really he he's almost uh, deluded at the moment and therefore dangerous because reality appears to have left the building. Exactly, uh, yes. And um, I think he's got a very strange, uh, mm, not very modern, I guess, uh, pretty ancient idea uh, that... Um, um, the, the the country is powerful when it has uh, many people in it, yes. and he doesn't care about uh, the lifestyle of these people. He doesn't care about um, their wealth, uh, their comfort, uh, the uh, how long do they live, how are uh, how how medicine is. Uh, affordable to them. And uh, so he thinks that uh, bringing new territories to Russia will make it uh, more efficient, more powerful, more strong. Uh, but this is not how the things work in, in modern days, you know. It, yes, in an interview he gave to Channel 4, which is a British television station, about a year ago, he was asked what the greatest sadness and tragedy in his life had been. And he said the collapse of the old Soviet Union, which was remarkable in a way, uh, but it revealed now this uh, war on Ukraine, which he, I think he would like to perhaps ex extend to other countries like Moldova, perhaps Latvia, perhaps Lithuania, that he's kind of living that dream. The old Soviet Union was hell. I was actually, I was in it on a number of occasions in Poland. In, I was in Moscow. I was in Poland. I was in Czechoslovakia. And it was, it was dreadful for those people. Mm -hmm. And he wants to, uh, he regards that as the great tragedy of his lifetime. Mm -hmm. It's very telling, isn't it? Uh, yes, and, uh, he was actually saying that, uh, look, uh, as far as I remember, the question was about the biggest tragedy of uh, Russia in the 20th century. Yes. And he had millions of options. He could say um, World War II was yes. a tragedy. It was a huge tragedy. It took millions of Russian peoples. He could say uh, that the revolution was um, of the 1917 was the biggest tragedy. Why not? I mean, he could say something like... Um, I don't know, uh, war in Chechnya, war in Afghanistan. But uh, he still lives in that uh, sense of resentment uh, that he misses very much the um, Soviet Union. And I guess that uh, he dreams about uh, reconstructing it, uh, rebuilding that empire and uh, making it uh, strong and big and large again. Yes. And uh, in, this, in this way, he's still, he's still uh, some sort of a hawk of the Cold War. And he wants to fight not with Ukraine. He wants to fight not with uh, Europe. Uh, he wants to fight uh, Washington, D.C. He dreams about uh, good old war against the um, United States, uh, yes. in which he could definitely, in which he wants definitely only, only a victory. But I think he's not aimed to result. I think he's more aimed mm, to, to the process itself. Yes, uh, I understand that exactly. And, the, the Trump presidency in the United States would have encouraged 
Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping and other enemies of the West, if they saw, as they did, Donald Trump, who is a clown in charge of the most powerful nation on earth, really, certainly the most powerful nation in the West, it must have encouraged their belief that the West is decadent, that it has lost its way, and that they could elect a clown like Donald Trump. Exactly. You know, the uh, way uh, in which some Western societies are developing these days yes. is uh, very helpful for uh, Russian propaganda and um, for those masterminds who sit down in Kremlin these days. And um, he's also, he, he's always uh, saying, do you want the same as they have now in, uh, in the US, for yes, instance, or yes. in France. Is that what you want? Yes. And uh, this policy of like, what about is, what about? Yes. Uh, it's the main ideology of modern Russia these days. Uh, they do not, um, I think they don't stand on anything. They just oppose something. Yes. They just criticize and they take the opposite example and they say, do you want it like this? Yes. Everybody says like, no, no, we don't want it like this. Then you have only, only one other option and I'll show you how. Yes. You know, he said recently on uh, some press conference like the other week, he said, uh, you cannot trust anybody except me, only me. Want to know what it takes to make a million bucks? Check out My First Million. Every week we dive into different business opportunities and explain how to pounce on them. From one-man online operations to brick-and-mortar strategies, we cover it all. So whether it's your first million followers or dollars, start getting inspired with My First Million wherever you get your podcasts. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Let me ask you if, when he decided to invade Ukraine on February 24th, well, he's decided before February 24th, it happened on February 24th. Do you think, because just before then, he had been at the Winter Olympics in Beijing, he'd gone to see President Xi Jinping, 
Do you think that he believed that the West, that NATO, that Europe, that they were so divided and had so many problems of their own, that in fact this was a good time to fight them and to invade Ukraine and maybe go further, that they had a view of the West, they won't come together, there won't be much resistance, they won't really care about Ukraine. I think it's important to um, underline two things. Uh, first of all, I'm almost sure that uh, Chinese leader was aware of uh, of the war. Yes. And they, I think they had some sort of agreement and Putin didn't want to steal um, Chinese thunder, you know, in the, in the Olympics. Yes. And uh, secondly, I think he has uh, hugely underestimated Western support to Ukraine. Yes. Uh, because uh, he thought that it would work like like it used to work uh, with Crimea uh, in 2015, like it used to work uh, with Georgia in 2008, uh, that the West uh, would like close their eyes and like, okay, Vladimir, do whatever you want. Yes. We'll just put some, some awful like sanctions on you. Yes. And uh, this was... Uh, uh, this was his huge mistake. And also, he was thinking that, uh, Ukrainian people would greet him as the, as the, uh, I don't know, as, uh, as a liberation force, as a hero. And they would be greeting Russian soldiers and Russian tanks with flowers, bringing them kids and all that stuff, you know? Yes. But it didn't happen. And, uh, in this, uh, in these terms, uh, Russian intelligence uh, worked terribly. Now, in, in Russia at the moment, I mean, the absence of the soldiers, the deaths, we understand maybe a hundred thousand Russian soldiers have been killed. The draft or conscript of 300,000, many men who are, would have been eligible to be drafted have left the country. The Russian people, how informed are they about the reality of this engagement in Ukraine, uh, the defeats on the battlefield, for example, the fact that they've had to, uh, from Kherson, they had to get out of Kherson and the Ukrainians took it, took it back. How aware of all of that are the Russian people? Because this is in your area, uh, you know, it's TV rain and now with Kordakovsky.live, you would know about how much is not being told to the Russian people. Well, of course, they are aware of uh, the main Russian players. You know, there is a proverb in uh, Russian: "You cannot hide uh, an elephant in the bushes." <laughs> so this is this is what happens, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even Putin can can hide the elephant in the bushes. Um, but I think that um, Russian people mainly uh, treated as uh, some. Um, um, you know, flavors that are, um, not mm, strategic. They are tactic. Yes. Uh, for instance, there is some certain general, um, who has done a mistake. And now we had to like leave her son. Okay. It's fine. But mainly we're doing a great job and our leader is uh, perfect and we should still give him our support and we should still go after him. But uh, the thing is that uh, Russian people see that Russian army is not second in the world, as the Russian propaganda was always saying. 
because as we were talking like in the beginning of our, our conversation, they yes. don't have even warm enough clothes to fight to fight now in um, uh, Ukraine. Yes, uh, they are not ready for that. They don't have uh, uh, modern arms. Russia doesn't have any drones. You know, yes. they had to buy drones from Iran. Yes, I mean. Is, does it does it really look like the second army in the world? No, I don't think so. Let me ask you about Sarovakin, General Armageddon, as he's known. He was the person who took over to fight in uh, in Syria, the fight in Chechnya. He is known to be particularly brutal, and one of his tactics would be, and is we are seeing now, the destruction of infrastructure. The, the artillery, the use of artillery rather than soldiers. It's about a month or so since Putin appointed him to be his main general in the war. What was the significance of that, do you think, Dmitry? And also, why did Putin wait so long? Is it that Sorobakin is a specialist at destruction? Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, we do remember what he has done in Syria when he was uh, shooting uh, civilian towns and civilian infrastructure. Hospitals, schools. Hospitals, yes. exactly. Yeah, hospitals and schools. This is what he can do. He's a real butcher. And uh, his tactics is to destroy the infrastructure and to make uh, a life of uh, Ukrainian people unbearable. Uh, so he, mm, every week, he shoots uh, uh, big Ukrainian towns and cities. Um, the uh, beautiful city of Odessa on yes. the Black Sea, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's really beautiful and uh, everybody should go there when, when the war Yes, I, I, so. a friend of mine was there um, mm -hmm. in, in the autumn and said it was beautiful. And this weekend, I think they've hit that. They've hit Odessa, haven't they? Yes, they uh, uh, they did, and they did it before. But uh, what happened, uh, uh, like the other weekend, they have uh, um, damaged it so heavily uh, that um, there will be like two or three months until it will be restored, and reconstructed fully. And uh, the winters Odessa in Odessa is not um, is not like in uh, in Italy or something. It might yes. be around. Uh, zero degrees Celsius or something like that. But, you know, what we witness is that um, it looks like actually Russian army is running off the missiles, or the missiles as, yes. as, as they are. Uh, so they do not bomb um, uh, Ukrainian towns and cities so often as they used to, for instance, like a month ago. Let me ask you about your own feelings. I, um, as a Russian, as a journalist, you're in your mid-30s, how do you feel when you are watching this? Or are you so busy working as chief editor for Kordakovsky.live to reflect on what's happening to the country? I'm not saying you can't do two things at once, by the way. <laughs> I think I'm very lucky because I work as a journalist, uh, because I feel I can do something. Yes. And I feel I'm, I, I'm really doing something because... Um, uh, millions of people every week watch our programs, watch our shows, yes. uh, watch our news talks and interviews. And any of our listeners who want to, the way to go to is Kordakovsky.live, correct? 
Yes, correct. Yes. Thank you for the advertisement. No, no. So. I'll send the bill. <laughs> no, no. Uh, and so you, yes, you feel you're engaged and you're doing something. Mm -hmm. Yes, but uh, at the same time, I feel that uh, my country and my people are running through some really terrible times. And uh, we as a nation will have to assess actually what has been done under our flag, under our name, and uh, what are we involved to? Because yes. all of us, I mean, all of us have uh, to feel some sort of responsibility, uh, not the sense of guilty, but uh, all of us are responsible for what is going now in Ukraine. And actually, yeah, this is a nightmare. To go back to Latvia and its decision to cut TV range broadcasts. Was that fear the Latvians had of a reprisal by Russia? Was it something like fear? Or was it because they believe, like Russia, that uh, the truth can be suppressed? Latvia is a very difficult country. Uh, Riga, the capital of it, uh, it uh, has, I think, something around 40% of uh, Russian's people and we right. learn of people who speak Russian. And uh, Russians are actually the uh, second biggest nation in, uh, um, in this country. And uh, so it has uh, lots of problems. Yes. And uh, they try to find their own national identity. They try to build their own government, which, is, um, which wants to be definitely independent from Russia. Uh, but, uh, you know, as far as I know, there have been elections in uh, uh, this autumn. Yes. And uh, uh, some sort of like white nationalist party has won them. Not like far right, but right, right issue. Yes, yes. And so I think they have to do something for the, uh, after the elections for their nation, for their population. And uh, definitely having many... I, I mean, like really many Russian journalists down there. Uh, it, it does bother them. And uh, I do understand actually everybody here. And Latvia and Tvidorst and Ukrainians who are angry with the uh, with rain right now. Uh, so this is a very complicated issue. I think that um, my colleagues from Tiberade, uh, they shouldn't have been uh, settling down uh, in that country. And right. they should have been understanding all the risks uh, that it might, this decision might bring to them. Now, if you look forward, Dimitri, to an end, is it possible, first of all, when you look forward and when you talk with your friends to imagine or analyze the end of this or is it very difficult to see a way that Putin can stop or be stopped because if he is that's the end of him it, it looks like there's no good ending that I can see or we can see particularly when you take Zelensky and his you know hard line we want Donbass, we want Crimea. And sometimes in the West, as I'm sure you know, there are some in the West who want peace talks. Zelensky may say no. Do you understand that whole, I'm sure, debate? 
Mm-hmm. How do you see that? Um, this is what we talk about uh, with my friends like 90% of the time. And uh, you are definitely right that uh, for current regime, uh, there cannot be a good uh, exit from the situation. There couldn't, there couldn't be a happy end. Uh, but um, it's, um, it doesn't mean that uh, there cannot be a happy end for, uh, for my country, for my people. Yes. Uh, because actually the day when the uh, 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 peace document, when the peace agreement will be signed, uh, this will be actually the happiest day in both for Ukraine and for Russia. Because yes. the Russian people will, will start uh, dying every single day in uh, Ukraine. Yes. Uh, they will go home and uh, they will just meet their mothers, wives, girlfriends, I don't know, whatever. And um, I don't think that um, Russians really want war. And I almost sure they don't want any other countries, any other territories such as Donbass or Crimea or something. But Crimea is a bit more dif- difficult. Yeah, there's a large Russian, Russian in the Donbass. There's a, lar- a large Russian ident- mm-hmm. people who identify as Russian and that speak Russian in the, in that region. So mm-hmm. that's not simple, is it? It is. It is very hard. And uh, what, uh, I mean, a good Russian president, uh, uh, instead of Putin, would suggest, I think uh, he would say that uh, we might start a program for Ukrainians who live in Donbass. Yes. If they want to come to Russia, they will get uh, like um, easier ways uh, to start their new life there. And some like, some sort of like these soft programs, like soft power. Yes. Uh, but... Um, Russian uh, diplomats, uh, they didn't uh, study well in universities and in schools. So this is why uh, Russian army is talking these days. Unfortunately, yes. But uh, I I do believe that this day uh, will will happen. And I think uh, it won't take like too long for us to wait for it. You think that this is not going to be a long conflict? You think it may be shorter than some people feel. Um, I don't. I don't want to make a forecast. No, of course. Forgive me. I don't want to put. I don't want to put you in that space. Yeah. Uh, I. I just really. Most people seem to think that this will be long rather than short. At the, as things stand. You know, things are developing so fast. And uh, I think that nobody is uh, in control of them. And uh, this is why I think the end would be, would come sooner than we think. Right. Okay, uh, Dimitri, we're extremely grateful to you. Very, very grateful to you for joining us on the stand. Dimitri Ilovsky is chief editor for Kordakovsky.live. It's a YouTube channel that you can get. And he was before that. Uh, Deputy Editor-in-Chief for TV Rain. He's a very brave young journalist and uh, we're very grateful to Dimitri, to all of you for listening. Uh, That's all we have time for now. We hope to talk to you soon. (laughs) Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. 
Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hey, hey, it's Kip Bodner, CMO of HubSpot. Join me and my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO over at Zapier, on Marketing Against a Grain. We're not the typical regurgitated Twitter threads. These are takes from us marketing leaders about what we're doing and what we're learning from our peers and what's working in the market and how you can apply them to your business. Everything you need to grow a modern business and have a strategy that is fit for growth in today's changing economy. Listen to our podcast, Marketing Against the Grain, wherever you get your podcasts.